Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 273. This is a long-awaited sequel since episode 85. Hey, Roy Orbison Jr., how are you? I'm good. Hey, Brando. Hey, Guns N' Roses fans. <laughs> you know, it, it's so, I can't believe how, I was like, whenever I, I, I think, I hear a Roy Orbison song on the radio now, just after our long conversation, and it was, I don't know, it was like more than an interview. Uh, wow, I almost broke into a Boston song. More than yeah. an interview. Uh, because, I don't know, we kind of connected, and you were really nice, and, uh, you know, every now and then we'll chat uh, on Twitter, and just for you, you randomly texted me like I need to come back on. Yeah. And I guess I, I know how busy you are. And I try not to be that guy to constantly ask people back. And it just meant the world. So thank you for wanting to be back on the show. And thanks for giving me your time. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I wanted a chance at redemption uh, somewhat. And uh, <laughs> I'm just I got all fired up because Guns N' Roses announced the tour in the past uh, month. And uh so I'm going through a big Guns N' Roses fan uh, stage again, and I'm, I got my tickets. So I think that's what it was. I phoned you the day I got my tickets. So I'm yeah. going to the LA show, August 19, 2021. I mean, it's coming up. It's two months away. I'm going to be seeing them. So I am fired up. You got to be our on-the-field reporter for that to let us know. I will. I'll just... I'll take some pictures and stuff. Cool, cool. Because I, I got my, 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 my layover tickets, I guess, that were the, the canceled rescheduled tickets for New Jersey. Yeah, uh, I did. I'm going to take a day trip. I'm going to stay the night in Pennsylvania. I'm going to go. I would love to go out west. It's just one of these, uh, you know, one of these years it'll happen. It, it, it'll happen because I would love to go to a show with you. That's what you said. Like, yeah, we're going to gonna go. do it. Yeah, we'll do it. I um, yeah, Guns N' Roses is one uh, one of those bands that I've said before that I would just follow them around. I just rent a camper and go see a lot of shows. And, and I love seeing two shows in a row, you know, two nights in a row. But, and I thought I would do that. And I've been telling myself for years, when they do it, when they come back, I'm going to do it. And then I just didn't. So this one, I, I may drive to San Diego or San Francisco for a show or Las Vegas. I would drive, you know, five, 10 hours to go see a show for sure. That's awesome. That was yeah. one of the things that we bonded on was your passion for music. Cause you're just, you know, you're just a regular dude, Roy, but you've obviously experienced a lot in your life because of the, the junior and you alluded yeah. to it before. You know, you're somebody who gets because of the junior, you get highlighted, you know, by some things that you say that may or may not be controversial. And you're like, I got to clear things up, some things up and, and, and perhaps maybe uh, start some new controversies. Yeah. So for those who uh, there was one thing I posted today on social media, which wasn't a controversy. It was just if you want to go back and listen to episode 85, which I apologize for the audio quality. I don't remember it being maybe your phone connection that day was I mean, you can hear it us but the, i i don't remember i was it was i listened back i was like oh man now i definitely need to do a sequel with, with roy you know good audio quality what is this mm -hmm. but a great story that you you know hanging out with bono and axel but people they, they pinpointed when you were talking about the rolling stones so kind of 
you know, before we forget, what did you say and what did you really say and what do you want to say? <laughs> well, what I was talking about, one of my favorite topics uh, is just like kind of a family tree of music, you know, so I like to yeah, I started that from from the beginning when I was like 18. I would go, OK, so who was the first guy to play guitar? And, you know, and you try to find the the blues guys and you find an earlier guy and an earlier guy and it goes back, you know, and they will talk about Robert Johnson. And then there's these people. And, and it's still, you know, something that's really important for my integrity. My sense of integrity is to know who did what. And uh, and I'm kind of a rock and roll detective. So so riffs, very important. The, the history of the guitar riff. I mean, I'd like to write a book, the history of the guitar riff and just go through it. And so that was the topic that we hit on. And uh, already there's controversy in the word guitar riff, because for some people, it's anything on a guitar. You do something and that's it is technically a riff. But I use other words if, if it's an intro or a fade or a tag or a a hook, there's other ways guitar can be used, you know, and there's special effects and there's things. Uh, so, so when I talk about guitar riff, I'm talking about a, I'm not talking about a piano riff or a bass line and that kind of stuff too. So, so that kind of gets rid of important riffs like uh, Ray Charles, you know, uh, what I'd say. Very important riff and predates most of the guitar riffs and comes up again in all these guitar riffs. I mean, so I can definitely make a connection between Ray Charles, what I'd say, and Sweet Child of Mine. They start with this octave jump. It's boom, 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 boom. And then the, 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 uh, the Guns N' Roses, the slash riff, also, it starts out with that nice, that jump. That's what you're hearing, an octave jump. It's, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> it's in, uh, you know, Somewhere Over the Rainbow, the first two notes, and the, the Wizard of Oz and stuff. But so I was talking about riffology, and I was just backtracking, and I was saying that uh, there's a lot of riffs that come out of Pretty Woman. And it starts to get controversial almost instantly because I love my dad so much, and I got a big chip on my shoulder, and he was a humble, nice guy, and I'm coming out with something to prove a little bit. So, mm. so maybe I was asking for it, but what I said was that I said that a lot of songs came out of Pretty Woman. And a lot of people learn to write songs from from Roy Orbison, you know, and it turns out that those people are John Lennon and Keith Richards and, you know, big names in rock and roll. And um, and so so I said to the Rolling Stones before they toured with Roy in 1965, they didn't write any songs. They only had cover songs. And so the headline in one of the rock magazine things was Roy Orbison says the Rolling Stones wrote no songs, you know. <laughs> And I saw that and uh, nearly wanted to cry. You know, I was like, oh, Lord, how are they getting this? And, you know, I read it and I was thought, am I supposed to be mad at it? This is completely taken out of context. They didn't write before 1965. I mean, everyone learned somewhere. Obviously, the reason I was talking about it is because Mick Jagger and Keith Richards are the best songwriters, you know, in the top groups, especially when you put two together like that. You know, they're uh, they're unbelievable. So that's what I was proud of. That's what I was talking about. And I was relating it to Sweet Child of Mine and riffs and all this kind of stuff. And uh, and boy, they just came out thinking I was bragging. So uh, which I am to a certain extent. And if it's controversial, that's OK. But but it was complete misrepresentation of what I said. And I, I don't know how they got it. Anyone who listened to it. I mean, I love these guys. I know these guys. They are family and friends. And uh, that's why I talk about them. You know, so I love the Beatles. And I, uh, literally, I love the families. I love the kids, the grandkids. I get good news all the time. So, uh, you know, I'm, I just think about a phone call just yesterday. And it was uh, that, oh, you know, there was a, there was a new child born uh, the past week or so. 
in a, one of the families. And I, I don't want to get too specific because that's all sure. for me. But um, mm-hmm. but anyways, I was just very happy. I was like, oh, my gosh, my buddy, I haven't seen him in a while. He's got another kid. So. Um, so, no, there was no controversy for me. But uh, but when I point out where things came from, you know, and when you're talking about Roy Orbison specific, it kind of pushes people a little because they think of this older guy with these slow songs. You know, so when I come out with this, you know, stuff and I say, oh, well, Roy was the first person to play a Marshall stack. Well, there's your controversy for this show. I don't know if I said it last time, but there you go. That's enough to get people going. They're going to start talking about Hendrix and then, no, but Pete Townsend was in his closet playing it at his grandma's house, da, 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 da. And that's where I have to clarify again. Okay, yeah, technically there were other people playing them, but Roy was the first artist to play on stage. He was the first to, well, he, he did an international world tour with Marshall Stacks. And, you know, and so he's the first, that's it. Uh, Jim Marshall told me that himself. There you go. I mean, there you go. I That's... say it though. <laughs> you go out and look, and you're going to find no documentation about this. It's not written on Wikipedia. Roy has been written out of the story, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's very, very interesting. So, so, but for me, I'm, I wear that like a chip. I'm like, oh, Marshall, dude, I got some right here, right now. They're right. I there. see it. I see it. Uh, and so and uh, and I have them. Oh, I should grab this. Watch this. This is this is impromptu. Uh, this do is it. Impromptu. That's that's. It's like live radio. That's the way I want it to be. Not planned. But here you go. I'm going to show off a little bit more, folks. Let me pull this thing out. All right. Here oh, is, God. Taking out the context. That sounds here weird. Is, here is yeah. my silver jubilee. Ooh. This is what Slash plays, these kind. Okay. I mean, I have to, I have to, am I bragging? I don't know. I'm just stoked. Look at this. <laughs> had this forever. It is an amazing amp. And, uh, you know, I could just talk about this one amp, this one issue the whole way through but but yeah i have quite a few marshals and things but but this one you know i went through a big slash phase and i do i mean i think it's the most beautiful sound ever i can hear when i'm listening to solos and so i can hear when it's there you know and i'm like i'm out of breath during this <laughs> you well, know I'm my wife get- or my you know my wife i'll be going you hear that you hear that that, that mid-range honk they call it sometimes this this sound uh, of the amp and then I was never a big Queen fan, but in doing a little research for that'll, by the way, that's going to be the uh, the new clickbait. Roy, Orb- Roy Orbison Jr. says I was never a big Queen fan. Yeah, yeah, they take one thing like that. But I, you know, I'm not. <laughs> I'm saying just letting that. you know. That's I'm a big fan be. of the movie. Oh yeah, but but I mean, I didn't listen. I never bought an album, you know. So so I know, I, what, you mean. I know what you mean, though. Yeah. Oh, it is. But you got to really watch out. So I was walking through Hard Rock Cafe somewhere in Spain. A while ago, not too long ago, and uh, and I and I heard this sound, and I it, it sounded so much like Slash's tone. And I was walking by, and it was uh, Brian May, you know. And I've seen Brian May. I've talked to him about this since this happened. He was at a James Burton festival, the James Burton tribute show that I did. Uh, we played Pretty Woman with Joe Walsh, and Brian May was back there. And uh, it's a little bit on a new Sammy Hagar show. Uh, Sammy Hagar, he's got a TV show, and he did this. Uh, he did that show too, but, but I couldn't believe. So I thought, I, again, I'm just piecing stuff together just with my own experience. So I heard it and I was like, Oh my God, he's the guy who originated that sound, you know? And I've, I've, uh, and I, again, there, yeah, that'll create controversy. There's people that know this a lot better than me, but I, I couldn't believe how, how influential that Brian May sound was. I read about it in guitar magazines, didn't know what they were talking about, you know, and da, 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 and people, the, the, and then I heard it and it was amazingly trebly and spiky and, 
mid-rangey and uh and I think that's what this amp kind of does. I, I don't know how Slash, you know, he's got his own own thing here. Uh, so I don't know how he, how he but it, it's coming somewhere from that Brian May tone uh, in my ears. Yeah, that, now I, it's like I'm getting, uh, if you listen to episode 85, now it's like part two of Professor Orbison <laughs> Jr. Because for someone like me, who is just not a musician at all, you really break it down to where I can I can understand it. And that's why, you know, taking you out of context is so much to put in context because you're giving a history lesson. And there's a reason why you're, you know, uh, it's, it's just like it's a kind of going through an evolution of any sort of animal or, you know, creature. It's the evolution of sound. And, you know, the specific phrases of what, uh, you know, certain sounds should be called or are called. So I, I, I get it. I absolutely know what you're talking about. So uh, I guess, I yeah, it's funny. It's it, and I'm, all I can do is just apologize because I have no control. As, as much as I tell and I want Guns N' Roses management to know, I have no control over those headlines. No. None. I just do the interviews. Sometimes, yeah. you know, if I ask, which does happen, uh, they'll change as my, at my request. But I don't write this stuff. So I, yeah. I don't know. I'm fine. It's why we do it anyways. And um, I'm um, it just made me more aware that. Yeah, when I'm talking about Elvis, there's a lot of Elvis fans. When I'm talking about Johnny Cash, and so I'm hitting things that people really care about, and so it actually just—it's a little bit affirming for me. I don't want them to like get really mad at me. I mean, I got a lot of hate mail on RoyOrbisonJr.com. That, that you know, people—you're an idiot. Da, da, da. I was like, oh my god. So they just don't even listen to the thing. They just took that and they—they they right. want to dislike something, and so so I'm sorry that I'm that thing when I'm really just waving the flag high for the Rolling Stones. I'm the one, you know, that's, uh, that's, you know, I also care very much. And so people just really care. And so it's just going to come up over and over. And people now, that's what the internet is kind of about. One person likes something, the other one doesn't. And they they want to let everyone know. And that's why we hope, at least with all the clickbait, they always pr provide a, uh, a link to the entire interview. So yeah. if anything, just listen to all of it in context. And if you have a problem with Roy, Maybe I'll invite you on next time for a friendly debate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I thought, I thought, well, what else can I say? Can I tell him like Ubi Doobie, my dad's song Ubi Doobie that was covered by Creedence Clearwater Revival on uh, their album Cosmos Factory. Um, that became a song that nobody knows Ubi Doobie. Everybody knows Hippie Hippie Shake. You wiggle to the left, you wiggle to the right, you do the hippie shake, the hippie hippie shake, the Ubi Doobie, Ubi Doobie. And so those are the same songs. So Hippie Hippie Shake came from Ubi Doobie. Let them run with that. They'll go to town. There's other <laughs> ones that are really not obvious. You'd have to really get in deep to realize that crying was rewritten as Quincy Jones' first big number one hit that he produced. It's my party and I'll cry if I want to. Uh, mm -hmm. but, uh, crying has a unique song structure. It really can't be duplicated without, you know, it's so unique. And it's there in the other one. And you start to hear it a little bit. It's, it's easy for me to hear, but so it's in... The, Roy does this crying, crying, crying. And there's, it's my party, I'll cry if I want to cry. You would cry too if it happened to you, over you. You know, the, the, it actually fits right there. You're like, oh my God, they didn't kind of change the word too much. Dad goes crying, crying, crying. You know, and they do, uh, you know, it's my party, I'll cry if I want to cry if I want to, you would cry too. That whole part, I listen. And I was I was learning the song one time from a, from a song book and I just, I thought like, oh my God, did my dad lift this song? And I go in and I look at the, I have to look at copyright dates all the time. Hmm. 
So those things, those things come up, you know, you go, oh, so wait, what was the, the first big guitar riff? Was it Pretty Woman or Day Tripper? And then you got to go check the dates. You're putting in and, the work. Uh, why don't you put in? Yeah. It, it, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're, you're busy. I, I know, but uh, you can buy the book. Fun. I'm busy having fun. I know. As, as I was able to, uh, to see, as mi- millions were able to see, and that's actually, um, I was thinking about leading off the episode, but I, I just knew organically we were going to talk about whatever. So it's the best. So ever since I moved in, because last time we, we, spoke, we, we when we first met, it was randomly at iHeartRadio Studios in Tribeca. This yeah. is before we interviewed. And it was just very cool that you said you listened to my podcast before I even yeah. knew. Like you, I was like, whoa. Okay. So that was very flattering. And, you know, we eventually we spoke on the phone because it was hard for us to coordinate for you to come in again. Uh, so technically, the, but, but technically, the last time I air quote saw you, was on TV, and I got to say I don't watch Bravo TV. That's not my 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 channel, but my fiance loves it. Uh, she watches. She loves reality shows. It's not all she watches, uh, but yeah, she loves reality shows. And it's just it's not my thing. Maybe back in the day with the Surreal Life or uh, Rock of Love, Flavor of Love. You know, those are those are kind of fun. So anyway. She, before you were on it, so I was already like oh, very well aware of Below Deck. So below, and she's like, Below Decks, it's better than most reality shows because they have real jobs. They're working on these yachts, and so, and some of the characters are fun. I actually paid for because uh, when you were on, that's what I'm alluding to. So when you were on, it was Captain Sandy, right? Yeah. So Below Deck Mediterranean. So Below Deck Mediterranean, and I now I'm forgetting his his name. The other big name captain who's on that show, uh, Captain Lee. Captain Lee. I ended up paying a cameo for my fiance's uh, birthday, for uh, from Captain Lee. Oh so, yeah. So because it, it goes to show you how much I've watched it. Then all of a sudden she's watching Below Deck Mediterranean, and I'm like, Roy, <laughs> like I know you. She's like, that's Roy Orbison Jr. I'm like, yeah, I've interviewed him. I've met him. He's like the nicest guy. And it was just fun watching you as a guest on that on that show. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we do a lot of things. I do a lot of crazy things. Uh, and that one, uh, Bravo, is the number one network for women between the ages of 16 and 35. And me so it, now. Yeah. So it hits a lot. Uh, it's a it's um it's a big audience. It's international and it's worldwide. And yeah, yeah we, we went to Spain, to Mallorca and did that show with Captain Sandy and this uh and the, and the crew. Great boat, great location, great place. And we had a great time. And our episodes were season, season five, episode three and four. It was called The Italian's Job and Ace of Stew Face. Those two episodes, look them up and we're on there. And it's my kids and little Roy three. He's, he's seeing, they go like, who is this? He goes, that's Papa Roy. I'm like, what does he do? He goes, pretty woman. He sings a little bit. And uh, yeah, we had a great time, great vacation. And it's a crazy show big show and uh, it ended up our episodes were the highest rated of the entire franchise and um wow yeah and and the show ended up because of covid uh, 2020 it ended up being one of the big one of the top 10 big it was up for some kind of award for best uh, reality show of the year i think it, lost it is done it. well as yeah. much as i could like i'm not a reality person it, it's done very well it's edited very well like kudos to those producers i mean wow like behind the scenes people work yeah. insanely hard 
and they're very fun. And it, it is a great show. It was really good. It's uh, really strange to have that many cameras everywhere. You start to get a little bit of like technic phobia because you just think cameras are hidden everywhere. But uh, and they are. <laughs> they have are. you had that experience before? You know, at doing any Nobody's sort of reality. Nobody's. I've been on around lots of reality shows. I never signed the papers and I never got on it. But uh, but I was around a lot of the Osborne show. Okay. I, like I said, I just wouldn't sign the paper so they couldn't use me or I would be, uh, so I, I'd be just, I'd just stay outside the camera and stuff. I mean, my brother actually filmed some of that. Some of the stuff where Jack is in the, in the garage and so there would be no camera people because they all went home. And so Jack, you know, so I didn't actually film it, but my brother actually filmed some of it. We're actually jumping around behind the camera. And my brother, Alex was on this big show uh, with uh, tattoo artist, Kat Von D. Sure. Remember? So they were going to, so he was on that show a while, and I think I was on that. And oh, you were on, um, was it L.A. White Star? Yeah, L.A. Inc. Yeah, and White Star is a oh, big nice. friend of my friend Cisco, and they had their own show, Buzzin'. And I think I was on that, and that kind of stuff. But, I mean, we did Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous back in the 80s with Robin Leach. Hi, I'm Robin Leach, that old thing. So, yeah, I grew up with it, but nobody's done right. hardly what we did. I mean, this is extreme. It's tw there are 24 hours a day. There's no hiding places. You know, so a normal reality show, even the Kardashians or something, they're they're turning off the cameras and going home, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, no, not at this one. That's an active not that, you know, lives are at stake. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's and it's it's just amazingly. It's actually very complicated. The show is as complicated as modern sports um, like mm -hmm. NFL or if you go to a basketball game that they have, you know, there's a lot going on when you watch how just had they film it. They've got, you know, drone things and they've got you know, control rooms and people everywhere. And this is the same thing, very complicated. But um, honestly, you know, um, I'm here to talk about Guns N' Roses. Why was it doing Guns N' Roses and someone goes on a six minute below deck thing? I was like- I had to, I was also yeah, wondering- yeah. I do like it. I, I, I watch the show, I love the show. And I like, um, you know, my favorite reality shows are right now, I like Jack and Ozzy's World Detour. That is fun. Watch that one. See, uh, don't worry. I, I tie everything together with the six degrees yeah. of GNR bacon. I, I there's always a method to the madness. And, uh, and I love uh, the uh, the Brian Johnson on the road with Brian Johnson. It's the ACDC guy who's right. also a good buddy of mine, an actual like friend. Oh, nice. He That's tried that. to talk me into go getting my class something licensed so I could race cars with him, dude. So what did you he, think? He he wanted, I mean, this is how crazy we got, we, you know, spent after spending like a, an evening running around and him playing jokes on people and stuff like that with Brian Johnson. We, we were an unholy duo at a party, just wrecking the party for everybody, uh, having a great time from top to bottom, everybody in the room, anyone was fair game for jokes. And so, and then he's going like, yeah, come visit me in da 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 where I live. I don't want to say all this kind of stuff, but he, he, has a, he said, I have a race car in the back and four Formula One race or whatever kind of cars he has, you know. So he actually has a, a full-size racetrack in his backyard and the cars, and it's like go-karts for him. And so he's going like, he tried to talk me into going to get my professional license so I could race these things around the backyard with him. And <laughs> if I have enough time, someday I will. I'd love okay. to. I'd love to dream of it. So, yeah. all right. So here's the segue then, speaking yeah. of which, since you're friends with Brian, you know, it's great that he's back with ACDC, but what did you think of Axel DC? What did you think of that situation? Did you go see it? Uh, no, I didn't go see it. I didn't get a chance. But when I walked through the room and, and heard it, it sounded great. And then I, you know, I stopped. So I've always got a TV on. I'm usually listening to other music. So, you know, I see it and I stop and I'm watching it and I couldn't believe what a good fit it was. 
I, I got excited like everybody. I don't know if you should necessarily call it ACDC and they, I don't know if they did Guns N' Roses songs, but they should do that. They, that should be the whole mix. No, it's so, just ACDC. Um, yeah. yeah I, um, Fans called it Axel DC. That's what I like to call it. Axel but. DC. That's, that's, yeah, something like that is great. I, because, uh, I thought it was great. I thought it was really, really great. Uh, yeah, I, I'm all up for that. I, I, I'm surprised that stuff hasn't happened a little more, really, with other big right? bands. And, but something else you wanted to mention uh, with, with Guns N' Roses, I don't, I don't want to lose it. Did you have like a Buckethead story? You're like, I want to talk about Buckethead. Oh, no, I just wanted to talk about Buckethead. I just, okay. I'm just a big fan separately. I'm just a big fan. And that song Soothsayer, I try to learn that all the time. And, and um, you know, listening to, listening to Slash play Paradise City. And when he gets to the end, it really, he turns it up to a level that, uh, you know, is, is just unbelievable. And I would hear that in Buckethead's playing a little, and I could hear that Buckethead had gotten a little of that from Slash, you know. And then he was in, ended up playing in Guns N' Roses, and and I had to go try to figure out what they were doing, and uh, it set me on like a five year quest of flushing out my knowledge of scales and three 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 note per string patterns, things like that. And uh, now I'm just a really Buckethead is another one. I think I think of them him completely separate in Guns N' Roses, but I would go see that show, you know. That, I'm glad I did. Controversy. I thought like, oh, I got it written down over here. It said like, how many, where, where did I write it down? Something. How many shows are there that anybody would want to see anymore? You know? And, uh, and my wife even said, oh, you can't say that. What about all these great people? Well, yeah, you know, actually you're right. I would go see Miley Cyrus. I would go see Post Malone and stuff. But, but scratching all of that, you know, how many bands are there really to pay the ticket and go out in the traffic and go see, you know, and there's just a handful that would really get me like excited. And, uh, yeah, the Eagles and ACDC. But then I started getting a little bit more refined again in my question. I was going, well, how many, like, oh, okay, Rush. Oh, how many bands are there? Okay, it's, is it just ZZ Top? Maybe it's just ZZ Top left that has, like, original guys and things. But this Guns N' Roses lineup, I mean, it got me crazy. I'm going, I mean, I know, I'm, I've got, I'm third, I got the, I got my tickets almost immediately. So I got 13th row dead center. Cannot wait to see them up that close. Lucky you. Again, yeah, again. I mean, that close in a pretty big place here in L.A. That night, and I got my tickets, uh, you know, pr pretty good. I know by the by the night of the show, people are going to be offering ridiculous money for those tickets. But uh, we're going to see Guns N' Roses and, you know, Led Zeppelin. They should have done it a while ago. But uh, so it, it really leaves Guns N' Roses maybe the top, top of the list that I would want to see. Well, since you are seeing Guns N' Roses, also means you're going to be seeing Wolfgang Van Halen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, you, uh, I'm rooting for him very big. Uh, have you listened to any of his stuff yet? I, I haven't heard that. I heard when he was on tour. And I mean, I think I've heard a little bit and it was good, but I haven't gone and listened to it. And I haven't listened to the new album. It was just released three, four days ago. Yeah, you know, it just, it just came out. My story there is uh, we were having a beach party. We were making too noise, much noise. There's a little spot that you see, you see them film there a lot. There's a rock and there was a little spot at the beach and we were all there and making too much noise. And someone comes out and yells at us, get out of the, you know, to kick us off of the beach. And even though like I, I'm a Malibu local and, uh, and we go everywhere and people, it was, it, was, uh, it was Eddie Van Halen kicking us. We were partying right bonfire and everything right in front of his house. And he was really annoyed <laughs> and kicked us all off the beach. And I remember just being embarrassed and being like, oh, I mean, I just want to get out there. I remember being embarrassed, thinking like, oh, I mean, what if he knew that like Roy Orbison and Pretty Woman and that the whole thing, you know, I just, I was embarrassed. 
So it's one of the maybe 10 times I've been embarrassed and didn't let anyone know anything about who I was or anything. <laughs> we got out of you know, I just left. But, uh, but that was my Eddie Van Halen story was that. And um, yeah, there you go. So I've got little stories like that, that uh, about nearly anybody. But uh, Wolf, he's, uh, uh, he's obviously a great musician. And uh, I, you know, I can't wait to hear it. And, and I'm, I'm just almost a little proud that Guns N' Roses chose to do that. They know what they're doing, you know, because the Grammys didn't do much for Eddie Van Halen and that kind of stuff. And so I think uh, they must have gotten mad at that. Guns N' Roses decided, well, we'll fix that. So I, yeah, I can't wait to see it. I'm definitely going early to see that show. It made me excited. And, and one of the, uh, the band members of, he, it goes by Mammoth, WV, uh, right. And, and is Frank Sidoris, who's also in Slash's band. So mm. I just, I love that connection. And, uh, and you gotta, if it's, you're wondering if Slash is who brought it in. And uh, I believe I, I saw it because of Greg Renoff, who has written a couple of Van Halen books. He retweeted, um, a certain uh, interview that Wolfie just did saying that he he's been friends with Duff and Slash for a while and, and knowing just the fact that Axel signed off on it just meant like the world to him because obviously Axel yeah. has to sign off on it. Yeah, that's kind of what I was imagining, imagining behind the scenes with just like just made me feel more about my great heroes, you know, Axel Slash, the, the band, just just how cool they really are. Yeah, they really are the real thing. So uh so, so that was all. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's a good choice. Uh, I, I've liked all the bands that I've seen opening for Guns N' Roses. I was trying to think of how many times I've seen them. And I think I'm, I saw Guns N' Roses at, uh, with Metallica around the time that James Hetfield got hit by a, uh, a flame. Yep, the pyro. Arm, yeah, so he didn't have an arm. And, I, and I'm, I've gone through so much. I said, am I imagining this? What if I say this on the podcast? And I didn't. And there wasn't a Metallica Guns N' Roses show, but I, I remember it. I mean, I remember thinking Guns N' Roses, because James Hetfield wasn't playing guitar, Guns N' Roses. I mean, they were they really, they were really good. I don't want to say anything bad, but they 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 I, they they killed it. They won that little battle that night. I forget if I asked after after you met, uh, we're hanging out with with Bono, and he invited you over, and that's this was at the Coliseum once when. Yeah. Yeah, it was behind the Coliseum. And then you were just, you know, hanging out with that table with with Axel, just drinking, hanging out. And, uh, you know, when you were in your early 20s, I think this happened. Yeah. I, I forgot if I asked, if did you try to reconnect with Axel after the fact and just saying, hey, do you remember that night we all hung out and two in the morning and you left me in the parking lot? <laughs> yeah, well, some um, that was a great show. And um, yeah, you found a picture of it. It is that picture. I saw it. And it was really strange. You know, you describe it differently, though. That's the thing. I, I was hesitant to post it. The way you described it was not that picture, because I think those pictures I posted in that video is from the uh, Freddie Mercury tribute. So it, I don't want to. It could be, but it's very strange because Axel is on the right and sitting down and Bono's standing up. And uh, no, but when I saw the pictures uh, he, uh, that you, you said, it looks very much like it. And it's the right time period. And, but Axel didn't have on a shirt. And I just remember he was really, really sharp. When I saw him, he was almost like they must have done that November rain video because his hair was perfect and all this stuff. And, and I think I thought the bandana was, was you know, blue or something. And, uh, but but right. even Jane right. Seymour was dressed about like that. And when I looked at it, I thought, like, well, isn't she wearing black in that video? Is she's wearing this black dress at that time period? But so she was dressed about like, uh, you know, uh, about like some of the pictures that I saw that were uh, linked to that. one. So I don't know. You're getting close to it. Someone must have a picture of me there in the middle. But I also remember every time the cameras came, I respectfully got up and stepped back. You know, obviously they didn't want me and these two guys. It was a historic meeting for them. Uh, do I 
No, you, you know, so I was, an, I'm answering your question. Let me see. I don't go looking for people that way. I, I you know, just respect and I'm sure. just so far up. No, I'm shy and not going to bother anybody. So, so no, like Brian Johnson invited me down to do that thing. And, you know, if I want to get in touch with him, I can ask a friend. I know people, we have mutual friends and, uh, but no, I would never bother Axel. And, uh, and I didn't bother him then either. Um, That's true. You, you said that you didn't, you were kind of like ignoring I kind him. of ignored him out yeah. of respect. You know, I didn't want, I didn't, didn't fawn over. I didn't even like kind of look his direction. I, I was there. I was happy to be at the table. The table was supermodels and these guys and, uh, <laughs> Bono had played a song, dedicated a song in front of 120,000 people to me, you know, so I was stoked. I mean, I was as stoked as could be. And I went back to thank him. I wanted to, and it was emotional. I, the first time I met him again without my dad there and, and all this kind of stuff. So no, I, I left him alone, but it did prompt an interesting response from Axel that I, I still ponder uh, whenever I think about this. And, and that is that he was a little bit like a, a kid, I think I got a little bit of the real guy there, even behind uh, who he is as a, as a, as, as, you know, the greatest singer and things like that. He, he was, so I got a little bit of the casual thing of like how he might just butt into a conversation at a bar to talk to the person next to him, because, you know, he kind of, he kind of joined in on the conversation and, uh, and then treated me great the whole night. I mean, the, the first line, the first line was just, he, he just went, he went like, you sure look like you're happy. And he said something <laughs> like that, you know? And I didn't even know what he was kind of talking about. And, and so I just said, yeah, just my great friend Bono, I haven't seen him in so long, da, 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 da. He said, oh, well, sit down, da, da, da. I said, he pulled, you know, pulled out the chair for me and I'm sitting down. And, and um, so the picture though that you showed was the right arrangement. It was a circular table and he was on, uh, Axel was on the right, Bono was on the left. And that's where I think, you know, Right. So I listened back. Oh, well, I was like, I are think, these the pictures? But the way you describe it is different. It's the right time period, too. It really is. Um, I think it is, too. But but but, but the fact that uh, the fact that uh, Axel didn't have a shirt made it seem like he was the performer at that right. show. I don't know. So so but it's the right time period. Anyways, brought back uh, memories. And I, I'm looking around for the pictures. We'll find them. But uh, but it was a great night. And um, I don't know how I sat in between them, too. That was the other thing. And we were there for a long time, like six hours. And uh and never because you, you mentioned you're a Malibu uh, local and, yeah. you know, it's public knowledge that Axel has a, a Malibu estate. You never run into him walking your, your dog or no, no, he doesn't come out in Malibu very much at all. I mean, I, I don't know how much I should talk about what little I can surmise of his real life. But I, um, I think other people are driving him and we probably pass on the road. And you'd never know it. You know, he's but he lives up on the canyons. It's a really scary canyon. I have best my best friend, a great guitarist from a band called Backbone 69, he, he died on that canyon, like Thelma and Louise, you know, launched. Oh. his car launched through the air like that. Oh. And, uh, and so he died oh. right as the band was starting to make it. My brother was a drummer for that band. And, uh, and, and, and I mean, uh, and, uh, and so, no, he lives so far up there. And I've thought about like looking, I'm enough of a fan as I'm driving by it casually to go see someone else. Anyways, I go like, Let's figure out where he lives. Let's look for the you know, look for a gate or a guard or something. But but I can still always swing this into something kind of interesting that maybe you would never have any idea about. And so when that's my brother was a, a drummer in that band, and he uh, was so when Chris died, our other friends who own this company Chrome Hearts, Richard and Lori of Chrome Hearts, they have Chrome Hearts and they do all this great leather and silver and stuff. They felt sorry for my little brother. And uh, they wanted to put him in a band. So he, he, so at, so the band was Steve Jones and Duff McKagan. 
And I only thought about this in the last 20, 20 you know, I thought like, if I was going to talk about Duff, what do I say about Duff? I say, wait, didn't Alex do a tour with Duff? So Alex Orbison was a drummer in a band with Duff McKagan and Jeff. So I, that's pretty close. My wait, brother the, with the Neurotic Outsiders? Uh, I don't know what they were called, but it was Jesse Joe, a Stark, the daughter of the Chrome Hearts, who's a kind oh. of an artist today too. She did a little a tour, a Chrome Hearts kind of tour. So no, this would be private little shows, like oh. fashion show kind of thing. Oh, but okay. They went and asked some of their buddies to do it, and they asked Alex to be the drummer, Steve Jones of the Sex Pistols, who does this uh, Jonesy's jukebox out here in LA, mm-hmm. and uh, and Duff McKagan. And they did it. They played at the Viper Room and stuff like that. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah. So Duff, and then that that connection is kind of still there. And the daughters are now um, Duff McKagan's daughters, friends with Jesse Joe, and they're they're around here in Malibu. I, I see them around down at the coffee shop and stuff. And um, so that was my Duff. I don't have a lot of stuff, but but Alex knows Duff pretty well. They uh, they they drink coffee and read the newspaper in the morning and stuff on this tour that Alex did. So <laughs> Alex got to know him, and he's um. Alex says he's a he's a he's a genius businessman. That uh, he invested in what Starbucks and Microsoft, but like we're early on. No, but that he's really into it. That I mean, maybe that's pulling the curtain away too on this great rock star guy. That no, he's really it, he has a degree. I, I think. Yeah, 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 he's really into it. He's he's reading textbooks and checking day to day prices of things that's and smart family. I believe yeah. uh, Susan, uh, his wife, who I've been fortunate to, to have on the show a couple times. She's taking Harvard classes right now online. Yeah. yeah. Harvard, you know, she doesn't need to at her success, you know, where she, but sh- sure. Why not? Let's go, so, so, yeah. go to Harvard. <laughs> well, he's a really special guy too. And uh, I haven't actually read his autobiography, but I'm going to get to that next. Uh, right now I'm reading the Mick Wall book, the, uh, Ooh, the Giants book, Last of the Giants. Okay. All right. It's controversial. It is. Well, you know, I read the other one and I liked it on uh, on on Led Zeppelin. I thought it was really good. And and I thought this was probably really good. What's con- what you know more than me? What's controversial? Well, I mean, if you're familiar with the Guns N' Roses song, Get in the Ring, when Axel says, yeah. you know, yeah. Mick Wall, Kerrang. Uh, and so it's just. Oh, yeah. And, and OK, wait, no, I rem- no. Wait, that's that's no. the Mick Wall who he may or may not get things <laughs> correct. Oh, I didn't know that, but I remember that name. No, I remember it was the junior or something. The da-da-da junior. Uh, Bob Guccione Jr. Yeah, okay. That, that was the name that I was kind of mad at from that song. I was like, okay. who is that? And I've had him on the show, too. Uh, <laughs> Bob Guccione Jr. It was it was great. He was funny. He, he takes yeah. it all in stride. But Mick Wall blocked me on Twitter for some reason. Wow. Uh, I think it's because maybe I'm friendly with Doug Goldstein, and Doug yeah. is is pissed because he's like, I gave Mick hours and hours of my time and he barely used any of it. So like, it's, I don't know. Mick seems to be a controversial figure. If you, I mean, it could be a fun read. It's uh, it was pretty great. And it's, he's a good, I think it's really good. I think he did a good job. Um, I, um, you know, I was going to ask you the big question of, you know, where is Izzy? And he has a chapter in the book and I happened to flip through and I saw it says, where is Izzy? And it was about this girl with a sign at one of the shows sure. you know, and all this. And uh, but and he kind of answered the question pretty well because even me I was wondering like what is it obviously it's a personal choice and he's such a uh, such a great guy he can kind of do whatever he wants to but I was wondering what his primary motivation was is he for not you know was it that he you know his sobriety maybe it has something to do with that or maybe it has to do with financial or business and all these things and and kind of uh, he reframes it in the book in a great way you know talking about how it was it was Izzy that came to L.A. 
it was Izzy that knew the clubs and places to play. And Izzy was writing the songs and Izzy knew the, the he, he figured the business out. So he knew the club owners and he knew the girls and he knew the drug dealers and he knew the guitars. And, and it was his dangerous image that kind of pushed them through. And so in the book, he's saying that, uh, that it was, uh, that Izzy was really the leader. And so that it's more respect that, um, you know, that, that it wouldn't be money that would bring, and this is just completely guessing, you know, so I'm sure this, sure. Is but, but it made sense to me, you know, they said like, no, no, he loves this band so much. He doesn't want to just be like an, an equal member or with money. He wants to help choose the set list and talk about the promotional campaigns and the venues are going to- That play. I believe, that you know, I believe. Like the videos, he wants to work on the videos and the, the merch and the, he wants to be like- A member, and, and a member again. I was going, yeah, no, that really that. made sense more than anything. I was like, oh yeah, it's not about money and this and that or rights and things like that. It's about the real thing. It's about, he loves that band and he wants to come in as a full member and that's that's going to cause some problems but i don't know why i you know that i don't, don't know this why. and i thought like man well that isn't that really what we all want to see yeah those five guys stand get up on stage again anywhere anytime and all of them choose the set list and all of them fight about it or whatever they're going to do and so yeah maybe that happens still someday you know it's just there's somewhere in it's interesting and now i'm just thinking more about <laughs> I, I can't help but uh, have Doug Goldstein on the on the brain because I'm, I'm I don't know if I told you I've told my listeners I'm helping work on his autobiography, and oh, there's great. there's definitely a mix between uh, Alan Niven's point of view, who I love I love Alan, mm-hmm. and and Doug's, and I think Izzy, who still I believe is friendly with Alan, and Doug, who he's like he likes Izzy, but uh, Izzy is an Alan guy. There there's something. There's, there's a lot to be cleared up, I think, in those early days. But I absolutely believe what you're saying right now, that it's not so much about the loot. Uh, now it's just about an equal, just let's, let's be a band again. Yeah. And um, I, I don't know. I can speculate as to maybe why. You know, maybe it's the people around Axel making uh, decisions, I, I, I guess. And then people can think about, oh, well, why don't Duff and Slash say something? So, so then we have no band again. So, I mean, it's just... <laughs> It's uh, it's working for what it is right now. Um, it's going to be interesting because I, I don't know if you've heard like how often you listen to the radio or watch TV now, but there are having commercials for these Guns N' Roses shows, and they say like an all new show. Well, there has been a complaint within the fan base that it's been very similar with the set list, yes, songs here and there. How do you advertise an all new show without new music? Or new members, different members, people joining. You know, it's going to be uh, other than Wolfgang Van Halen, which I'm excited for. So it's going to be interesting. Well, that's, really that is. is quite deep in there. I'm I'm actually not that. Uh, I don't get to that nitpicky that many specific. <laughs> you know, like they can do almost anything. He can wear a different bandana, and it's a new show for me. And uh, that's and just the fan you know, base I deal with. I don't know what to tell you. I, it is. And I'm, I'm happy to, to be in uh, talking to you guys. Thank you. Uh, I'm a big I'm a big fan of these kind of fans. I mean, these are the people that that uh, I get. Was it like that with Roy Orbison? Was it like, oh, he's not wearing the, the right black frames tonight? You know, no, but but other people would tell me, you know, that uh, in a place like England, Great Britain, they would say, you know, your your dad's your dad's fans are the most loyal and the most crazy only second to Elvis, you know, and I heard that my whole life and it's kind of true, you know, so even in that area in great Britain still, you know, 
it's still it's very very holy ground so you've got to be careful <laughs> you've got to be careful yeah so uh but the fans know they were just crazy crazy fans and crazy things that happened um what was your question like is it that way with them oh yes oh yes they you know that yes um Yes. Uh, that's what I'm trying to understand. Like his yeah. fan base is obviously because I have tunnel vision with, yeah. with Guns N' Roses fans a little bit. And, you know, I'm sure uh, BTS fans and, and Swifties are, are crazy as well. But, you know, how yeah. are fan bases, you know, yeah. around your dad's time? Um, well, they were great. They were they were nice people. But uh, and they are. Uh, but but there was, you know, there was people that didn't like Sun Records. And if you bring up the rock and roll thing, they're almost offended. And then the rockers didn't want to listen to the slow songs. And, mm. and um, but mostly, um, but, but it w- wouldn't be issues like that so much. They were bigger things, you know, like big issues on this, you know. Um, uh, my dad still doesn't have a tombstone. And, and among our fans, that is the controversy. That is the thing. That is the thing, you know. Um, I didn't know that. Uh, so, so there, you know, we, 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 it's, it, and it's a long, it's too long for this podcast, Fair but, enough. Um, but when I was a kid, uh, when I was a kid, uh, they, they stole Elvis body and, uh, and we're driving around and, uh, and that affected my family and affected me. And it was a phobia of mine and, uh, it affected me. Oh, just like when John Lennon was shot, you know, I, I, for the next five years, would hide backstage and scan the audience for someone like me with a gun. You know, I felt like I was his bodyguard when we were, he had bodyguards and I thought I was the bodyguard, you know, so, so things like that. And so this one affected there and then we didn't know what to write and we wanted to be able to go to the gravesite by ourselves and things. And, uh, and then we became too big. My mom had an emotional thing. She didn't want to end it. And then now, we, we designed and paid for this big block of stone and I think it fell and broke. And mm. so we're going to do it. It'll be in the press. We're going to get, get, get someone back and do tombstone there. But, um, but so th- that kind of thing really, you know, so there's, there's fans of the Orbison guys. They find, really, we, we find our stuff. Yeah, no, I get, I, I get letters. Uh, I get letters once a week, you know, of new fans, you know, cursing me out about, the, <laughs> you know, about the tombstone, you know, like and writing personal long letters to me. And, awful. That's yeah. awful. You're whatever. Yeah, yeah. I don't need to tell you. That's yeah. no, but so shame we, on them. Shame on them. But no, we had the real, real fans. I mean, we had to, Roy had to track, you know, a lot of the things that the bands do, he created again. So everything from the touring routes to aluminum foil on the windows or, you know, he would just the, all the secret codes and secret knocks and guards at the elevator. And he would book the whole hotel and, yeah, we, he, he couldn't go anywhere. There weren't that many stars in the early days. So it was very different, you know. So mm. if we walked into a busy airport, the entire airport would just stop. True. Stop, you know, the, the people working there, everybody would just stop. So um, so it was definitely crazy uh, all the time. I mean, uh, we'd get back to the hotel room and there would be, you know, teenage girls naked in the bed already by the time. And he'd be walking in with his wife and kids, you know, and they were there. That was pretty regular and occasionally it would be big celebrities i mean some i can't even mention but uh you know so we'd come and come in and there was like naked big celebrity in in the room <laughs> oh all right yeah well so, um so, so if you the- want to write a book about riffs or you can write a book about that whatever you want to do let's see yeah. it's your life roy <laughs> my wife she said she said make sure you tell them that i'm friends with izzy's wife maybe it's his ex-wife he married a swedish woman and okay. my wife is swedish and they know each other and and i was saying you i forget that i said you should phone this what is what is miss stradlin doing let's yeah. say, let's interview her 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, you know, if she's anything like him, though, they, they do what they want. And isn't he still just the coolest guy for all that? Isn't it just cool? Who could do what he does? He's I haven't seen a picture of him. I guess you guys are in. in I, I don't know anything about what Izzy has done. I respect all of it. And I understand, you know, even with Axel and, the, you know, the house and the hills, you know, and, and, and the things that you experience as a child and why I'm glad that. You know, I'm still I look at myself as a nobody, even though I get to talk to cool people like you, you know, the bigger you are, just the more people want a part of you. And it's a lot, a lot of nefarious people. They're not all your friends. And that's scary. That happens in a non-famous life. So I, I understand it. And, you know, I'm never going to uh, I never try to take it too personally when I get a no or I can't get somebody. But, you know, everything I've heard about, I know I, I've interviewed people who do speak to Izzy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I respect he's the happy. guy. Did they say he's happy. Sounds like he's happy. He's playing guitar, surfing, you know, you know, it seems like he's riding motorcycles. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I, you know, it, it's, it's like the Beatles or some band where it's hard to pick the best guy or your favorite guy. You know, I go around in big circles and, uh, to me, there's always a slash. I'm a guitarist. So it's slash that I, and slash has had the, the most interesting solo career for me. Hmm. And, uh, and um, but even, you know, even the way that that Axel kind of found Buckethead, you know, found so that's all, that's over on the slash area and that's over on the Axel area over on the slash area. You know, uh, it's just an interesting thing that the band Creed formed with Miles Kennedy. And right. This other band and the, the, uh, the Alter Bridge. And then and they got to and I, I was a big fan of that. I mean, I was such a big fan of, of Slash with uh, the, the conspirators, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the guys that he's with now. That, I was so worried that I thought, like, maybe this is going to sound bad, but I was worried that Guns N' Roses would stomp on that, you know, that their, their momentum, their touring, their, their sure. you know. And then Slash raised himself up to an even higher level, more, more great, uh, whatever I'm trying to say, compliments, more great compliments for Slash. He... He is a workaholic. The guy, I don't know how he does it. So he he tours on his off days with this other band and he's doing Guns N' Roses, working and writing music simultaneously while he still has a life and kids and going to his kids' graduations and married and doing business. And, you know, so I, I, I can't believe that someone who works so hard, nonstop guitarist all his life and then is in two big bands right now, you know. So, so I think there's music either just came out. There's music coming out from both of these now. Yeah, they're yeah. Uh, Slash and Miles are working on a new record. And, you know, that's yeah. something I should uh, that should be said. That's a point I never really thought about. You know, when GNR came back, you know, the yeah. the, th- the three main, however you want to phrase it, to the uh, the, the, the GNR nerds, however you, we want to phrase it. But it could have easily wiped away Slash with Miles Kennedy, and, or uh, Duff with his uh, solo record. Yeah. And yeah. they both were, and and Slash obviously continues to be successful solo. So it's it's just a it's kudos to them yeah uh about it yeah. you know what hold on i'm gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna since you did this impromptu i'm gonna yeah. do this impromptu hey fiance i'm zooming with roy orbison jr we already spoke about uh real world aquatic oh, i'm so sorry <laughs> i'm just coming home now i just want to let you know. all right i look forward to seeing you i uh, okay, can't wait love all right you. love you too bye now it's something else i forgot to say uh, I used to call, uh, I'd make Every fun show. of her. I would call, uh, yeah, below deck, the, uh, the real world aquatic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. More or less, more or less. I, um, <laughs> but, but I, yeah, Slash and Miles Kennedy, I was still on that, that he, they, uh, they were the best band going at the time. And I just couldn't believe 
you know, what a great fit and the songs and, and everything. And so, uh, so I just didn't, I, I, it seemed like Slash really finally was where he needed to be again, you know, after a lot of struggle through the whole, the whole time since Guns N' Roses. Yeah. And, and, and it seemed like he finally found that music that was so good that he could be happy and proud and, and everything. And so, um, so I, I'm really glad that we get both now. We get both uh, Guns N' Roses and the Miles Kennedy thing. And I just hope there's uh, new music from both. I mean, they're, yeah, they're, they, you know, um, you know better than me, but they they say they're writing music for next Guns N' Roses. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Susan Holmes, uh, Duff's wife, has said on the show that she's heard it. Ah. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, as as like end every episode, which you'll hear shortly. You know, Axel once said about Chinese democracy. Soon is the word. Yeah. Uh, and that just, uh, he, I think he said that uh, six no, years before he came out. All in a good place. When you look at where they were with that whole period and where Slash was too, just kind of like, you know, dealing with a lot of stuff, whatever. Great story. Wrote. Yeah. Yeah. They were both really kind of lost. Um, and uh, and then both, they're, they're so pro now. Oh no, there's going to be another album for sure. This is going to be good. <laughs> going to be good. And uh, just like, how will it compare? And they, they have to compete with themselves. Oh, Lord. Oh, so <laughs> oh, much Lord. more podcasting to do. <laughs> more times oh, for you to come on and talk with me about it. Yeah, yeah. And let me think, is there any, is there some stuff? I don't know. I was wanting to talk about knocking on heaven's door and lead into Bob Dylan and how much I love Bob Dylan and how much I love. I mean, right now, my favorite song by Guns N' Roses is knocking on heaven's door. And uh, my son likes it. And, you know, I just, I just, and again, that is that silver jubilee tone. That's that tone that the note almost splits, you know, it, it whistles a little. And uh, that that solo, when he hits that, that's that silver jubilee um, Marshall amp that gets that sound. And uh, and anyways, um, I don't know. Let me think. I, just, I got my ticket for the show. One so far. Yeah, I, uh, I went and checked out, out who the lineup for the new show is, you know, and wanted to see all the. You know, I don't know that much about the new girl, Melissa, uh, but mm -hmm. but I knew, you know, uh, Dizzy Reed's still there and Richard Fortas now. Yep. When I went and checked again, it said like the longest member of Guns N' Roses besides Axel. Sure. What was wow. the last time you saw them prior to uh, coming up? Um, let me think. So when I think of them, I think of the show with the Rolling Stones where I went two nights in a row. And the one where he fell off the stage in the first 10 minutes and then they nearly broke up. But you uh, you hadn't seen any of the uh, Not In This Lifetime tour? No, uh, no, uh, no. But see, and then I saw them with Guns N' Roses and I saw them, I think Nirvana opened for them one time. I don't think that happened. There wasn't that. Well, there were three bands that I saw one time that was one of the greatest shows and I put Guns N' Roses in there. But it was Red Hot Chili Peppers, Nirvana and somebody else, great. And so, that, okay, good. Then it wasn't them, but... Uh, Trying to think of the times I've seen them. No, I experienced them through DVD. So I bought all the DVDs and I still just watch those over. Okay. Over. So it's been a while because it's yeah. been the same. It's been the lineup for a bit, but it's been more than a bit for you to experience. Oh, yeah. No, I haven't seen. I mean, Guns N' Roses hasn't really existed in that form for me in all these years. Okay. Because the, the you know? reunion, uh, you know, happened. Yeah. Uh, it's so been I would around. see a video and it would be, I, I look at it for who's the guitarist and who the drummer, you know? And so I like the, the Matt Sorum period. That was probably the last period I really paid attention. Then Buckethead okay. was good, and then it was no Buckethead. And then I, I drifted a little bit, and there was uh, the guitarist Ashba, and I didn't know that he he's really good in his own right. Uh, he's, he's, I can actually see now why they had him, but at the time, you know, 
I just didn't pay attention for a little while. And I know Bumblefoot was a great guitarist, but I, again, I didn't follow so strong. And then um, I, I drifted off and was watching Slash the whole time. So Slash, okay, so there, Slash, I saw like 2019. Okay. Yeah, so okay. recently, I saw Slash recently. And so I feel okay. like I've been watching him this whole time. But okay. Uh, but for me, there was no Guns N' Roses for the, all, all this time. And then I missed the last tour. I'm not sure why. But it just it just was too much of a spectacle, and I, I just missed they were playing somewhere near, and I I missed that one show, and I, I didn't and and I almost didn't believe it, you know, I didn't, <laughs> believe it. I didn't believe they were touring, I didn't believe it could be them or something, I don't know, so I just I did, they were touring, and I didn't I was doing other stuff, and I didn't see it, and that's why this time as soon as they went on sale, I went and bought some tickets, and uh, well, before I let you go, what is the other is there, what are you doing? What is the other other stuff that falls under for Roy Orbison Jr. Like oh, we uh, you know look well, forward I mean, to and what projects you're doing right now well, we're doing we're doing a big uh, big movie so we're doing the orbison bio movie which is really about 2023 and it's, it's uh it's we have a script and we have a company and we signed but we can't talk about it even legally yet but it's a it's a big one and we we got a great great team on that and uh awesome you know we always do we and so we've got a lot of stuff around that that we have to do we did the royal philharmonic orchestra albums since we talked, you and I, I think I've done that. And uh, we did another one. So it's my family, my brothers, Alex and Wesley and my kids and all of us, my wife sang on there. So we got a platinum album for that. We play with an orchestra and Roy Orbison's music. That's we great. Have play. We have the Pretty Woman, the musical that was going, that was the number one musical in the world at the time that COVID hit and they're reopening that in, right. um, in the Netherlands and, and England. And that's a global thing again. They want to open it in Paris and Tokyo and everywhere. But it's touring around and it's a big play. I think the play will respawn a remake of the movie eventually, which would be funny. Hmm. And, you know, one more big hit. Uh, it's like an, another Pretty Woman thing. Another billion dollar movie will push Pretty Woman almost to the top again. I mean, Pretty Woman's still the top 10 songs of all time. But Amazing. One, more, one more big hit like that would actually blast it back up to the number one song again for a while. So. Uh, we're doing a museum in Tennessee that I've always been working on. And that went through a lot of different phases because Tennessee had a tornado and a, a bomber at Christmas and just and COVID. We were going to open in the middle of COVID. So we've got that mm. kind of stuff. But my um, one of the things I'm most proud of is Roy three. My my son, he mm. did a he when he it's 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 already been a year or two, but he was three years old. and He did Rocky Mountain Way with Joe Walsh <laughs> and his YouTube has nearly a million hits already. It's been one year, one year up and he got a million hits and He's only five now, <laughs> uh, but he did such a great job. You know, he can play the riff and he sang Rocky Mountain Wave with Joe Walsh as, as best he could. And uh, and so for me, it's about the kids and the future and I'm not sure what else I can talk about or what I shouldn't talk about. But we got lots of projects. I don't really try to sell things too much. We're working on all the time on guitars. And yeah, you're always doing creative stuff. Yeah, yeah. Th that's what I dig. And, uh, you know, just follow you on Instagram and because yeah. you're speaking of Joe Walsh, it's just nice, very <laughs> lovely picture of you know you yeah. hanging out with Uncle Joe and your family all the time. And then I mean, just today, just before you got here, and I, I don't even take a picture. Uh, Leah Felder came by the studio about an hour ago, and I was thinking, well, you no, know, her dad is Don Felder. I should be posting this this out too. And she's a uh, she uh, she married Brandon Jenner and has a kid, so she's kind of part of the Kardashian, the Jenner family. That, uh -huh. and, uh, but uh, but she's an artist in her own right, and. Uh, a beautiful, great, uh, great lady. And, um, and I've known her since she was a teenager. She was just here. So we've always got something going on here. 
But uh, right now, for me, it's just have a good summer. And this 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 concert, the Eagles are going to play maybe in October in L.A. So I'm, I got two big concerts, and really my life kind of revolves around this. <laughs> August 19th, I mean, Guns N' Roses. <laughs> wow. Excited. Yeah, uh, uh-huh. I'll shed a tear. It's going to be amazing. I'm, I'm, I know. I'm obviously excited. And, and, and Roy, but let's, let's not have it be a couple of years before the next time you come on, because I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. Good. Yeah, well, thank you very much. And I hope it didn't say anything too controversial or I hope I was controversial enough looking over my notes. I, I don't just I wanted to talk about everybody, everything. But um, I think we did. We talked a lot about the new guys and I went and followed all these people like on Instagram. So I went and followed, followed Frank Fair. He followed me back. I was stoked like two days ago. He, I, I said he's following back. And I'm like The drummer. All right. Nice. So cool. So cool. Yeah. He's a local uh, New York guy, New York City guy. Uh, I'm sure I amazing. You know, so. Yeah, really cool dude. You know, lucky yes. to have him on the uh, on the podcast as well. And that's cool. See, you're just a fan. You're following everybody, like all yeah. every other fan. Follow me back sometimes. And that was when I was like, oh yeah, I feel, feel a connection. <laughs> we're we're tight now. We're buddies. He was probably like that. He's a like, Roy Orbison Jr. is following me. Awesome. Well, he's been in so many big bands and bands that were kind of English and and following Roy and the kind of did a lot of those weird synth bands. You know, they were big Orbison fans. You True. Know? Uh, well, uh, you know, whether it's before or after you see them, obviously you're welcome back. If you want to, you know, bring on your wife with you, if you want to bring on yeah. little, uh, little Bo with you, yeah. if you want to bring on uh, Uncle Joe, Brian, all your friends. Guns and Roses, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I'll get backstage for this, uh, but I've already, you know, someone past 24 hours said like, oh, you know, maybe I'll go with you and da-da-da. I'm pretty good friends with Slash and da-da-da-da-da. And I was like, oh, Lord. And so, you know, I don't know what kind of backstage scene they have because I haven't seen them, you know, in so long like that. But, but you know, we'll see how far I get. We'll see how far I get. <laughs> right. backstage. Looking forward to uh, seeing Roy Orbison, the, uh, our, the, <laughs> yeah. the appetite getting for distortion. Carried, getting carried off the stage, rushing the stage, getting yeah. carried away in handcuffs. That, that would be the dream. And I got arrested at the Guns N' Roses concert on stage. Brando made me do it. He told me to do it. He did. Yeah, peace <laughs> and love and, you know, God bless uh, Guns N' Roses. Thanks, Roy. And that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. Thanks for hanging out. And when are you going to see the next episode? Uh, who's the next guest? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, you'll see it. I don't know if soon is the word. No! Fuck it! No! Yeah! Thanks to the lame ass security, I'm going home.